Welcome to the Gin Ignite podcast. Whether you want to party or stay in, gin will ignite. This is the weekly show coming to you on a Friday, ready for the weekend, where we go through all things gin. If you want to find more out more information, catch me on Instagram at Gin Ignite or alternatively go to the website www.ginignite.com. Welcome to the show and let's get on with it. Hello and welcome to episode 26. Now I didn't last week make anything of the fact I got to episode 25 but it was kind of a, a real milestone as far as I'm concerned with the podcast so I am, I'm, I'm going to highlight that now. Today I talked to Paul from Stockport Gin. We talk about Cheryl and his passion for craft gin and how that turned into Stockport Gin. We discuss how large frogs turned into their twist of lime edition and their partnership with Selfridges. Most importantly, we talk about how being themselves is what seems to be the success of their brand. But more on that a bit later. I turn to another brand now, The Only Way is Gin. And it was their official release of their signature gin on Monday the 16th of November. It's premium in taste with an understated flamboyance. Now, I'm not quite sure whether that's Nikki or the gin, but I'm assuming it is the gin. Nine natural botanicals are carefully selected to produce a smooth and sophisticated dry gin. Exotic and sweet. First, the aroma of orange blossom. The fresh citrus burst. Poppy seeds then provide a long lingering finish. Serve with a slice of pink grapefruit to create the perfect gin and tonic. And I have to say, Nikki, I am so, so pleased for you. I know it's been kind of a long journey, particularly with COVID, but congratulations. It's finally live and I wish you all the success with that. Now, I know I'm banging on about it, but I do want to talk to you about Christmas gifts. And I want you to please, please, please support your local and favourite distilleries over Christmas. And I've picked out a few things that I've like the look of. So Massingbird Monday, you can get the Meet the Family pack, which for £5 gets you the two gins. So you get two five centilitre bottles of gin. And, you know, that is amazing value. And honestly, it's worth doing it just for that. When you taste those two gins, you really will be kind of mesmerised. They, they are very classic, but oh, the taste is sensational. Now, if you spend more and get a, a full bottle of either their Burrells or Marie-Jeanne gin, you get a £10 voucher, one per order. The Edge Gin has a great lockdown offer at the moment. If you put in lockdown two at the checkout and if you spend £40 or more, you get free shipping as well. Check out their mould pair, which sounds really, really interesting. Obviously, their London Dry is last week's uh, weekly recommendation and, and well worth it. I can also recommend L'Orange and, and their pear gin as well. Pitwheel Distillery, their new orange and ginger sounds just like a great winter warmer for the Christmas period. They've also got some great gins that they do. Classic Dry, the Gently Spiced, sorry, Original Spiced and the Raspberry and Vanilla gin are amazing too. Otterbeck Distillery have got a few lovely gifts. They've got some really nice coasters and glasses, as well as their signature cotton gin and their limited edition winter cotton gin, which sounds really interesting with the sort of sort of gently spiced. Now, obviously, we're talking to Stockport Gin today, but I couldn't get away with mentioning Christmas without mentioning their bauble selections. They are back in stock, but they are going fast. So 
you need to get in quickly. They've also got some great lockdown bundles. Three gins for £100 or four gins and eight tonics for £140. Very, very tempting. So it's a really good amount of money off the off the, the main price. I, I have to be honest, I'm also very tempted still by the Gower Gin Company via uh, six pack where you get all their six gins in there. And one other thing to think about is subscription. So the Craft Gin Club or the Botanical Trading Company. I would also like to mention the Gin to My Tonic with the virtual Ginmus going ahead on the 4th to the 6th of December. If you look at the show notes, you can see the URL for that. But essentially it costs £10. Or if you buy some Ginmus 5 centiliter samples, and I believe if you buy four of them, you can get admission free. The next thing I'd like to talk about is Law Gin. They came on a couple of weeks ago. If you are a UK distributor who wishes to bring Law Gin to the UK, then please get in touch with me or with Law Gin directly. It would be great to get it into the UK's hands for Christmas. And finally, I just wanted to talk about Cheshire Mobile Bars that came on last week. It was a really great conversation that we had last week. And, you know, I think it's really great, their new service, you know, Sometimes you really don't feel like shaking your own cocktails and you get to Christmas Day and you think, oh, can I really be bothered? Then why not check out their national cocktail delivery service? You get proper professional bartender cocktails sent directly to your door. My weekly gin recommendation this week is from the Gower Gin Company. It's their Barra Brith. Now, I have to say I am a bit biased because the Gower Gin Company are from my favourite part in Wales. I am biased because I, I was born there and I lived there in that, that area for four years. Barra Brith is a, like a Welsh tea bread with, with dried fruit. The thing I like about their, the Gower Gin Company is their way they expertly blend botanicals. Everything is just seamless. You know, for example, they use ginger and it adds a bit of heat and it gives you a gorgeous flavour, but it doesn't overpower your palate. So many gins that I've tasted do and, you know, that's all you get. And, and sometimes I spend, you know, a bit of time trying to work out what tonic can I use to sort of counteract the ginger, not with Barra Brith. The nose reminds me of Christmas time and that dried fruit you get when you're mixing up Christmas pudding. But it's not as overpowering as that. You know, the aroma pretty much is very, very subtle. The flavour profile is very interesting when tasting it neat you sort of start with a sort of a dry juniper taste, followed by a sweetness which sort of meanders into a bit of heat from the alcohol. And the end of the profile is sweet. The taste is a triumph. You get the ginger and spices and the tea-stained fruit, giving you the sense of eating Barra Brith bread. It's a unique taste, which is hard to describe in words, if I'm honest, but one which I absolutely adore. I tested it with my usual Mediterranean tonic, and it was a very pleasant G&T. I think it would work with any sort of standard light tonics. I don't think I would compare it with elderflower though, but I would consider an orange-based tonic instead. The smoothness of this would lend itself to be a dry martini. And everything inside me sort of practically says no, but I would love to try it. My heart says yes, yes, yes. Albeit only on a sort of cold winter's day. I'm not sure it's a summer drink at all. I think this also would be a welcome addition to many cocktails. It's a definite keeper and one I will be adding to my long list of gins that I want to buy and that one that I would thoroughly recommend, if nothing else, that it's very, very different from any of the gins I own and I'm sure that you own. And now 
I talked to Paul from Stockport Gin. Paul and Cheryl are both Stockport County fans and met on an away game in Torquay. They're both born and bred in Stockport and absolutely love this market town. They both love craft gins and were brought up with family gatherings where the strength of the gin measures were legendary. In March 2019, they launched Stockport Gin. Cheryl was still working in a self-employed capacity in the hair extension business and Paul was working as an architect. Within a few weeks, Cheryl had gone full-time and the business took off. Since then, they've produced the current four gins that they have, as well as quite a few special editions and have also won quite a few awards. They have an amazing presence online with some great one-liners on Instagram, like gin is the answer, but I can't remember the question. I've also seen their fondness for markets and I've wanted to speak to them for a long time. I only plucked up the courage a couple of weeks ago to ask them to come on the show. So I'm so keen to know more. Hello, Paul. Hello, Ben. Thanks for having us. Thanks for plucking up the courage. No, that's all right. That's all right. Well, you seem so big online. That's the thing. It's, I know. You know a, lot, you, a lot of people keep saying that to us. <laughs> Just... And then, you know, I sort of spoke to you and you said, yeah, well, a lot of people say that, but, you know, we don't feel that big. But you do. You, you just got such a sort of big presence, I think. Yeah, I think especially on social media, which uh, I can take absolutely zero credit for. That's all done by <laughs> Cheryl. Uh, I'll be honest with that from the outset. I'm not <laughs> taking any credit for that. Yeah, Cheryl does all the social media. And, uh, she does it very well, I've got to say. I really have. Yeah, she does get she does get a lot of good feedback from it, saying yeah. how good it is. Yeah, no, it really is good. Um, So, obviously, you know, you started uh, Stockport Gin in, in, two, in March 2019, but what were you doing before that? Uh, so uh, I've worked for a large architectural practice in Manchester since 2003. So I've been there 17 years. And Cheryl had her own business. Uh, she was self-employed doing hair extensions. And and kind of what, you know, obviously, you know, the business was going reasonably well. So what sort of gave Cheryl the final push to go full-time? And for you, I know you've now gone part-time. Yeah, we, we launched in March 19 and it was kind of what's, let's get our gin out there, let's see how it goes and take everything one step at a time. And, you know, we were only, well, we still are small. Um, but, yeah, within within four weeks, the demand for certainly the, the original edition gin that we launched with um, was was really popular and, and there just wasn't enough hours in the day to be both working in the day. Uh, we've got two young children and then distilling and bottling in the evening. So Cheryl was the first one to take the step to full-time employment in in the gin business. And then uh, 12 months ago, uh, I took the step to reduce my hours with my employer down to part-time to then spend more time on the business as well as it as it continued to grow and hopefully continues to grow. Absolutely, absolutely. And I know you were both sort of adamant that it was going to be called Stockport Gin, but what were some of the other suggestions put to you? Because I know sort of other people weren't quite so adamant as, as both of you. Yeah, I mean, for us, there, there was only ever one option and, and it was always going to be Stockport Gin. You know, we're, we're proud of the town that we both grew up in um, and we wanted some. We wanted to, to make our own gin that, that reflected that. You know, there's loads of craft gin distilleries out there representing their their towns and their villages and their cities and the big thing for us is wherever we travel UK or worldwide um, we always love to try the local gins but whenever we came back home there was nothing um, if you went in a bar in Stockport and asked for the local gin you'd get something from 
Manchester, Cheshire, Lancashire. Um, so we always said someone should do a, a Stockport gin to, to represent this town and, and put it on the gin map, is what we always say. And no one did it, so so we did it. So for us, it was always going to be called Stockport Gin, but you're right in what you say. Some of the early advice we got is that we shouldn't be calling it Stockport Gin because one, Stockport somehow has this reputation that it's just a little dingy dive just south of Manchester, which is completely not true. Um, and two people said it'll limit you too much. People in Stockport will only ever buy it. And and from that point on, our, our main focus has always been to to prove that person wrong. I was gonna. I was just gonna say wrong. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I mean, yes, Stockport Gin is the name on the front of the bottle, but ultimately, um, you know, the the way the craft gin industry is in the UK, people enjoy what's in the bottle and also the story behind it, whether it comes from Stockport or any other town or, or city in, in the country. You know, it is, the important thing is that the product that's in the bottle um, tells the story as well as just the name on the front. And hopefully we've, we've managed to do that. Well, I, th- I think you definitely have. Certainly some of the awards you've won and that kind of thing, you know, that's definitely, uh, you know, testament to, to that. And I, I always think it's, you know, the one thing I kind of get from the podcast talking to a lot of people is the fact that people are proud of where they're from or a particular, you know, like uh, um, somebody like sort of Pitwheel Distillery, you know, they're particularly proud of of something that's happened in the town that they live in. And I think that's really important. And I think people do hold on to that kind of, that kind of, you know, imagery and, you know, they want to buy your product because of, because of that, you know, so I think it is really important. And I'm, from your point of view, I'm glad that you didn't listen to some of those people and, you know, you decided to do what you wanted to do. Yeah, exactly. And that, and that was always the important thing for us, you know, it's, it, it was it was our gin for our town that we could use to, to promote not only ourselves, but also the town all, all across the UK and hopefully one day the world. Absolutely. <laughs> And I know you're you're sort of both sort of craft gin enthusiasts. You know, you sort of said that that earlier on. But what what kind of attracts you to a particular craft gin? Is it the sort of bottle or the label or sort of what you've heard on social media? Uh, a bit of everything. Um, so as as I said, we always love trying different different things, new things. Um, you, you know, you, there's always new products popping up onto the market, and whether it's you know people that we've spoke to pre-launch and and they've asked us for advice, which we're always happy to give. Um, or whether it's, you know, we've we've gone somewhere and we've found a gin that we've never heard of before. Um, it, you know, it doesn't have to be just about the way the bottle looks. It can be the story behind it, the people behind it, what's in the gin. As I say, we, we like trying all styles and all different types of gins, wherever they're from and whoever's made it. And when you sort of taste gin for the first time, what do you kind of look for? You know, is it the sort of nose or the, the taste or a combination of both? Yeah, I mean, for us, we always say um, whenever we're tasting a new gin for the first time, we like to try it neat on its own. So even even without ice, just a, a small a small amount just on its own, give it a good smell, see what you can smell and then taste. And what we really like is um, a, a good quality gin product is, is always got this nice smoothness to it you know it doesn't make your eyes water it doesn't burn the back of your throat which some of the uh larger well-known gins may tend to do 
so yeah so we, we always like to try it neat on its own first then we'll try it neat with ice because ice again chills the spirit completely changes the the taste and the aroma of it and then obviously we always like to try it with uh, the distiller's recommended perfect serve um so yeah that's that's what we tend to do and how, how do you think the sort of your sort of love for craft gins kind of influenced your own gins so when we were always traveling and trying different gins and, and whatever we always knew that the, the gins that we always liked the best and always seemed to come back to and enjoy the most were citrus citrusy gins okay so so we always knew that when we were going to make our own gin um the idea behind it was that if we made a gin that we really loved and enjoyed one we could put that all our passion into it when it comes to trying to make people buy it um and then if not we had a lifetime supply of gin that we just enjoy our own. <laughs> well yeah i mean it's a win-win situation isn't it really yeah, exactly yeah. but um but yeah you know since launch um we've and we've always stuck to that um you know uh, uh, our range of gins are always based on some sort of citrus aspect because that that's what that's what we love and that's what we enjoy but um but to be honest our our tastes are all always slightly changing you know we've tried some gins recently that haven't been on along the citrus lines and we've really really enjoyed them yeah i think well i think as you you sort of the more gin you try your tastes do differ i know when i first started the podcast you know i was really into a lot of whitley neal and that kind of thing and um sort of since then and tasting sort of a number of craft you know there's just a completely different sort of palette that you, you you sort of develop i think yeah definitely and, and and when people always say to us now oh you know craft gins become massively popular now and um and obviously it's, it's popular because there's so many other distilleries out there doing some amazing things with some amazing botanicals but also you know previously when when people thought of gin they thought of probably two three four different gins available absolutely and they, they would always say oh we don't we don't like gin it just isn't for us whereas now there's a gin out there for everyone whether you you like citrus or you like spice or you like herbs or you like floral you know there's there's so many amazing products out there now um that yeah there, there, there is definitely a gin out there for everyone so when whenever people come to us at you know at markets and things say oh i don't like gin and it's not that you don't like gin you just haven't found the right one yet yeah i totally agree with that totally agree with that and how how did you actually start with your first gin did you sort of start with like a baby still or did you start with the sort of main still that you have now no so we started uh with uh, a little mini baby still so a, a two liter copper pot still okay and um we, we distilled a number of different so as i said you know we always knew that we wanted to make a gin that that we knew we loved so we knew the lines that we wanted to go down with so we decided on uh eight botanicals to use okay and we just played about with variants of them botanicals until we found the right recipe that that we knew would work and how long did it take sort of to develop the first the the sort of original gin uh as i say you know for us it was it was fairly simple because we knew from the outset what we wanted to use and base the gin on so all we did was make variants of the same recipe so um, we ended up making 
five different variants using the same botanicals, differing quantities in each. Right. Um, and then we, we actually took it to a, a local gin bar and had a, a blind taste test. And actually the one that was chosen was the first variant that we made. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite often the way though, I think. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, whether, whether that's, that was intentional or, or whether that's down to pure luck, I, I don't know. But, but yeah, so the, the first ever variant that we ran off our mini still is, is the one that you drink today. Oh, wow. And and talking about um, actually, you know, the distilling process, where do you actually do your distillation? Uh, we do it in the garage at home. <laughs> so we've we've converted our garage into our mini, small, humble distillery, which is, um, yeah, where, where we distill all of our products. We, we bottle everything here. We hand label everything here. Um, so, yeah, so like going back to the start when you say, oh, you know, we, you guys are, are fairly fairly big and and really really popular i think people probably wouldn't think that if you came and saw the the size of space that that we're currently working although although i think gin has taken over your house you know i was seeing some pictures on instagram the other day where was it your spare room and another room i think in the house has suddenly got yeah so one one of the the kids now share a bedroom and and one of the kids bedroom is now a, a storeroom <laughs> <laughs> which they're they're happy with you know they're they're the two young girls, five and seven, and, and they're like little best mates. So oh, okay. they love sharing a room. To be fair, they, I think they actually prefer it that way. So it's so it's 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 definitely not like we've kicked one of them out. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's important. It's important to clarify that. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How do you sort of go about the sort of distillation process? Yeah, so um, we, we obviously don't make our own base alcohol. Uh, it's the two difficult and lengthy process for for the likes of us working on such a small scale so we buy in uh, the neutral grain spirit which is uh basically pure the purest alcohol you can get uh 96 abv um that then goes in the still we water that down because uh, no one wants to be boiling liquid of of that strength at all <laughs> no absolutely. Um, and then so if we were making our original edition gin um, we would put five of the eight botanicals in the liquid um, to macerate, and we'd normally fill the still the night before distilling. So um, we'll put everything in the night before. So yeah, so five of the eight botanicals sit in with the liquid, and then when the distillation starts, there's another three that are sat in a gin basket at the head of the column. Um, so we also vapor infuse as well. Okay. And again, that's that's something we played about with when we were. Um, so once we had our, our final recipe, the, the next stage was working out the best way to distill it, and and we had a couple of uh, very badly failed attempts at our our first gin. Um, right. And we worked out that actually by uh, vapor infusing the citrus, it gave a much lighter and um, smoother taste to the gin rather than oh, okay. putting everything in the still and, and macerating the full lot um so yeah that's that's what we do so we we vapor infuse the citrus and the pine needles whereas everything else sits in the still oh, okay and then w- once it sort of comes out of the the still there does it kind of go into it because i know you were talking about milk churns so tell, tell me about that. we've got essentially um giant stainless steel milk churns so okay. that all all the distiller is uh captured in them 
Um, we then test the strength of it, which is normally up and around 80% ABV. Um, and then that, that'll normally sit for a day or two just to let it rest and settle uh, before we blend it down to, to bottling strength, which is 40% in our case. And you've got a, a funky machine because I know talking to Claire at the Edge Gin a, a few weeks ago, she's got a similar machine, which is like a reverse osmosis machine. Yeah, that's right. So originally we were, um, when we first set up, we were, we were buying in uh, purified water from a specialist supplier. Okay. And the issue we had was, one, it was expensive, considering you're just buying these barrels, 25-litre barrels of water. And yeah. two, it was coming in um, plastic containers, which right, the supplier okay. wouldn't take back. So we were left with all these plastic containers that we had nothing to do with. And it's such a, you know, a, a big thing about everything we do is we try and be as, as eco-friendly as possible. So sure. single-use plastics like that um, just wasn't good. So we did some research and actually some other distillers gave us some good advice. And yeah, we invested in our own reverse osmosis machine. So we now purify all our own water from from the mains and, and use that. So we've, we've cut out all of them all of them barrels oh, that's so, brilliant news yeah so it's it's a good way of doing it and one it keeps keeps costs down and, and two it environmentally friendly yeah absolutely now i was sort of looking at your your website and i was originally just going to talk to you about your gin but i'm afraid i couldn't i couldn't just do that because you know the you have such a playful brand and it really is reflected i think in some of the sort of additional products that you offer so I, the first thing I wanted to talk to you, which I think loads of people want to know about, and that's your gin baubles. So, yeah. so tell, tell, because I know you were telling me a little bit of a story about that. So what have you learned since last year about gin baubles? Buy a lot more than you ever intend to need. <laughs> <laughs> so, we, so we did gin baubles last year, and it was just kind of this idea that we had. And, uh, so we managed to get hold of some, and we took them to a, a market and we sold the full lot within about two hours um so it's kind of like wow these are these are popular let's let's get some more and we tried to get some more and we couldn't get them from anywhere um, and the, the ones we tend to get normally come from places like china so the delivery times on them are massive so we, we managed to order some but the the resupply of stock didn't come in until about two weeks before christmas by which we've kind of missed the boat. Yeah. So we said if if we do them again next year, we'll order a lot and we'll order them in advance. So um, so yeah. So this year the back um we've got fancier, shinier new label tags on them, and yeah, we've we managed to get uh, a much higher level of stock in place this year than than we did last year for them. So are, have you still managed to keep your stock levels up, or are you? Uh, well same as last year they've been they've been massively popular again this year so um fingers crossed at the moment it looks like we should be all right but um, okay who knows we might have to take a rain check on that in a week or two because yeah they are they are, they are running out what's not to love about them i mean you know gin on a bauble hanging on your christmas tree i mean uh, yeah i mean i suppose the problem is if you put it on your christmas tree will it last till christmas well the only difficulty, yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah i'm not i'm not convinced it would in in my no. house anyway but, i was gonna say the, the best thing about them is that um 
they're all screw caps as well so you can buy one and then you can keep refilling it I suppose if you wanted to oh fantastic yeah oh i didn't realize that oh maybe maybe i'll have to put a few on my christmas list then. yeah <laughs> and um i love the way also you've really thought down thought about sort of lockdown two um and your lockdown bundles on there because you know it such seems to be such good value like the first lockdown went a bit um a bit crazy in terms of online orders and, and people were ordering and ordering sort of three four bottles at a time which was great don't get me wrong but but this time it, it felt slightly different so we thought well um let's let's put an offer on and you know because lock, lockdown's difficult for everyone and and don't get me wrong, I'm sure alcohol consumption in people's houses jumps through the roof when they're, when they're locked in the house. Um, but, but yeah, so we, we decided that um, give people a, a bit of cheer and if, if they're going to buy some gin off us, which uh, we're lucky to have a, a lot of people that have placed orders with us. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's put an offer on. So I think, I think we've got two bundles. One is, uh, as you say, three bottles for £100. Or I think the other one is four bottles and eight tonics. Yeah, that sounds um, about right. Yeah, can't remember the price on that. I should have researched this uh, before. Uh, I started, it, I? No, it's hundred hundred and forty pounds. I think one forty. Yeah, so for for one of each of our gins and eight tonics. And um, also, you've got like the the taster edition. And I'm interested that you sort of put, seem to sort of do a lot of your stuff or your tonics with with double Dutch. And what what kind of made you decide to sort of partner up with them? The Double Dutch are, are really good in um, helping and supporting uh, small brands and distilleries like us. Um, so we started using their gins, uh, their gins, their tonics, uh, probably about twelve months ago now. Um, okay. And yeah, so so we've worked really well with them, and and they give us some good help, and and likewise we promote their tonics, and 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 actually they are really really good tonics, and they have a, an amazing range of other things not just tonics um ginger ale and uh, a load a load of of really good mixers so yeah so um yeah we, we like to to use them with all our all our taster packs and when we go to events it's always with double dutch tonic yeah i'm i mean i must say i'm yeah kind of interested to to try them because i always like to, trying sort of different tonics and the other thing i, I did want to point out um because I, I do love it your mug as well you know, with the wish I was, wish it was yeah, stopped yeah, gin yeah. in here. I just think it's just, it, your brand, as I said, you know, is so playful. I just thought that that is such an amazing uh, idea. Yeah, again, you know, it's, it's things like that. We, we don't, you know, what what we do is, uh, you know, we do everything as as best as we possibly can do. But at the same time, we don't take ourselves too serious with it if that makes sense not like that I would, it, it does and I think... in the garage making gin but you know certainly there's, there's that there's that appearance of the brand that um you know we, we are just two normal people that just happen to make gin and you know we, we make all our own gins and then we're the people that you come to markets and see and speak to at markets and events and we're the sort of the face of face of the brand you know and we like to to know that people know the people behind it and and can relate to it more than anything and, and i think that's really important certainly as and as a consumer i think you know it is really really important to to do that because i think and that's what people want and that's to be honest why people tend to go to specific brands because they kind of know those people behind the brand or you know they've talked to them online or, or whatever it is and and they think 
well, I'm going to buy your your brand because number one, it tastes nice, and number two, um, you know, th- there's sort of a relationship there, which I think is really really important. Yeah, I, th- I think that's definitely it. The, the relationship between between us and and the people that see us and meet us, you know, um, and like I say, ultimately at the end of the day, the gin that we make has to be good enough for for people to come back and buy it again, and and hopefully it is. But um, but yeah, first impressions definitely count. So so de- you know coming across to people that we are just two two normal people um, making gin is has certainly been very well received. Um, and we're, we're just like you say, we're just very honest and down to earth about ev- everything that we do, and and hopefully people like you say can can relate to that and enjoy the gins that we make. Well, I think I definitely think it works. I mean, I, I know I've, I've done sort of some courses sort of on, on Instagram and that is definitely what, you know, a lot of the people that seem to know what they're talking about seem to say, you know, you, you need to be, it's important to give part of yourself as well as, you know, sort of talk about, you know, your brand and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's funny you say that, you know, go, going back to one of the things we touched on at the start of this is that someone once told us, don't call yourself Stockport Gin because it'll limit you. In the same way, someone got in touch once and said, uh, "Don't, don't ever put yourself to the front. You know, just just concentrate on on the brand and and showcasing more of a a lifestyle theme to everything you do rather than showing your faces and people aren't interested in that. And it's kind of like, well, that isn't what we're about. I don't want to just put product photos on all the time. We like to to speak to people and for people to see who we are and where we are and what we're doing and and any any news that we've got be it gin related or or anything else um you know it's only last week i took over social media for one post and one post only to tell people it was cheryl's 40th and you know loads of responses back wishing a happy birthday and stuff like that and and that's the kind of relationship that that we want to build and you know, it's not just a brand, it's it's two people behind it as well and everything's all as one. And I was I was gonna pick up on that exact post because you know, you could see that you could see the love love online for, for you and for the for the brand because of, you know, the relationships you've you've built. So I think that's really really, really good. And I think you should definitely ignore whoever that was telling you that you shouldn't do that. Just keep going because <laughs> it's definitely working. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean we know you know, it, it it did take us a while to sort of find our feet and and point ourselves in a in a certain direction. But we now know, you know, who we are and and what we are and where we want to take it, and and that's what we'll continue doing, whether someone tells us to do it or not. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm interested to sort of get into your actual, you know, the gins, which is obviously you know kind of the 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 important part of the the, the episode, yeah. um and. I'm interested, sort of the order you produce gin. So obviously, you started with the original edition. How, how would you describe it? And could you give me sort of like the the sort of perfect serve? Yeah. So our as as we touched on again at the start, you know, our our main purpose when we we set about making our first gin was that um, we would make a gin that we love in the hope that others would love it as much as we do. Um, Absolutely. So uh, yeah, so we made a, a it's a citrus forward London dry gin. Um, it's eight botanicals, juniper, coriander, orris root, cardamom, and cubeb. Give it a bit of warmth, and then 
the lemon peel and the orange peel give it a smooth citrusy taste. And then the, the final botanical, the signature botanical that we use in every single gin we make is um, pine needles that we actually forage ourselves. So oh, we've wow. got a, a pine forest right on our doorstep where we live in Stockport. Um, so, yeah, so we, we, we go and source them ourselves. Um, and, and that comes back to the whole story of we didn't just want Stockport to be a, a name on the front of the bottle. We wanted to put something in the bottle that you know sort of came from the town and, and represented where we were from. So, yeah, pine needles are our signature botanical that go in all our gins. Oh, wow. And, and how would you, how, what, was, what would be sort of the perfect serve of that? Uh, perfect serve either on its own over ice, so it's quite a nice sipping gin. Okay. Um, or if not, um, paired with a good premium tonic, be it double Dutch or, or any good other premium Indian tonic. You know, we're not we use double Dutch, but we're not um, we're not so stuck in our ways that we tell people that you have to drink it with double Dutch tonic. You know, it, it is a good tonic, but there's plenty of others out there. Um, plenty of ice, lots and lots of ice, as you should always have in your gin and tonic. And then uh, either a wedge of lemon or orange. And then we come on to sort of the the twist of lime edition. But this one sort of came or was born out of a sort of a special edition that you did. So, so tell me about that one. Yeah, this has kind of evolved over time. The twist of lime. So um, shortly after launch uh, in March of nineteen, um, there was a huge project in Stockport run by. Um, the, the council and, and a couple of other um, people who are who are set about trying to, you know, like we do, promote the town and everything that's good about it. And okay, yeah. um, they'd obviously seen us launch. They'd seen how popular it was in in the first couple of months. So they approached us and said, "We've we've got this idea of um, this project that we're doing in the town centre to to bring people into the town." And we're trying to think of other ways to promote it. And we'd love to buy some gin off you and and relabel it and um, use that to promote it. So what they wanted to do, it turned out originally, was buy our original edition gin, um, relabel it, and then sell it to help promote. And what we said, well, you know, we're we're two honest people. What we're not going to do is sell someone the same gin that we already make, just with a different label on it. Why don't we make your your own gin? so yeah, so this this whole project was based around um, nineteen giant frogs. Okay. Um, so it was called it was called Stockport's Giant Leap. So it's you know it's bringing Stockport forward. It's it's driving the town forward. It's bringing people into the town. So that the the commission nineteen giant frogs, which were placed all around the town centre. Each frog was I want to say giant. These things are like five six foot tall. Wow. <laughs> and, and some of them are actually um, still there. Um, oh really? Oh okay. Yeah. So um so yeah, each each frog was sponsored by a different local company and each frog was uh decorated and painted by nineteen different local artists. And and the idea was that during the school summer holidays you brought the kids down, the, all the family came down, you got a little map and you walked around the town centre to find all these nineteen frogs, learn about different parts of the town, and probably see parts of the town that you wouldn't normally see if you know if we were just coming in for a meal or a drink or shopping or and things like that so it was really good yeah an amazing idea yeah so they um they commissioned us to to in the end make their own gin for them um so again sticking to the citrus theme uh we came up with this idea of using uh limes and 
So in the original edition, we use uh, dried lime pe- uh, lemon and orange peel. Okay. And, w- and when we start looking, it's very, very difficult to source dried lime peels. So we thought, well, let's have a go with making it with fresh lime peels. Okay. So we, so we bought a load of limes. We peeled them all by hand oh, and we goodness. put them in a still. And actually what came out is this amazing, really fresh, zesty, citrusy lime gin. Um, so, yeah, it, it was great. And, and over the three, four months that this project was on, we produced, in the end, uh, three batches of it. It was it was that popular. Wow. Um, and then the project came to an end. All the gin had gone. And the organisers got in touch and said, oh, by the way, in, in the October, we're hosting an auction. And all of these 19 frogs um, were all brought together in the same room. And they held this big auction where people could bid on these frogs and actually buy them. Okay. To then, to then take away and do whatever they wanted with. Um, and all the money went to a charity. So they said, come down with your gin um, and, you know, sell some bottles. And, and again, we, we donated some of the profits from that on the night to, to charity. Um, but the only problem we had was that we'd sold out of all the gin. So we said, well, we haven't got any. Uh, in the meantime, a few local bars and restaurants especially the ones that were located in the town centre next to the frogs, were also selling the gin. Okay. And they, and they kept coming back saying, oh, we want more of that. It's really nice. And um, So, yeah, so we ended up saying, right, we'll, we'll make one more batch for, for this and, and for the bars. And then in the end, whenever people were tasting, you know, all our gins together, people always – people that love a, a dry gin um, always love – the the lime it became known as, as the lime the twist of lime gin so uh in the new year of this year we decided well it's it's this popular let's let's bring it back but what we didn't want to do was was just keep it as it as the giant leap edition because you essentially have to go through this whole speech every time you try to tell someone about no absolutely so um yeah the name twist of lime really stuck so it's it's now our twist of lime edition gin and and what would you what would you serve it with? So for the twist of lime, um, slightly different to the original, you you probably couldn't drink it as a sipping gin on its own um, because it's made with a fresh lime peels. It is that bit sharper and and zestier than the original. Um, but actually, in a gin and tonic, it's absolutely amazing. So again, premium tonic, lots of ice and a wedge of lime. Um, but it also makes uh, a really really good gimlet cocktail. Oh really? Um, so what? One of the best things about making it with fresh lime peels is that, again, rather than chuck away all the the juicy bits of the lime, they all get, then get squeezed, and we use them to make a series of cocktails. Um, oh wow! So it, everything everything has its use. So the peels go in the still, and uh, the rest of it goes to make drinks. You can't, you can't say better than that. And, and environmentally, look at that. It's amazing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you tried it with a like a mojito or something like that? Uh, I've not actually, but someone actually suggested this a couple of weeks ago. It's funny you should mention that you're the second person now to say it. So, so maybe we'll we'll, we'll try that. We'll, we'll make a gin mojito using our our lime gin. I'll let yeah. you know how it goes. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that'd be really really interesting. Yeah, and and then you you sort of uh, did the pink edition, and and again, how would you kind of uh, describe that? 
Yeah, so again, the pink came about um, after we launched and, you know, by far the, the biggest question we ever got asked at markets and events was, oh, do you do, you do a pink gin? Because obviously pink gin, there's loads of pink gins out in the market at the moment, and massively popular. And and to be honest, we, we were never or never have been big fans of pink gins. One, you know, a, a lot are either so full of sugar it's it's just it no longer tastes like gin or um or the, the f- too full of flavor so again all you get is the the real hit of the the flavor that's used rather than you know keeping it to a, a traditional gin which you know obviously you need to taste the juniper so we decided um with ours that we would take our original edition gin use that as the base and then we infuse with raspberry, strawberry, and pomegranate, which just gives us a nice fruity twist on our original edition gin. Um, so yeah, Cheryl, Cheryl always describes it as a ginny gin rather than a. Gin gin. <laughs> <laughs> and and the infusion does that take place sort of after you've you know you you've to to what you've got into your um your milk churn is is it the infusion happening there or is it happening in the sort of flavor basket no no it, it happens post distillation oh okay so it happens it happens yeah in in when when we've got the distillate in in the in the containers uh we infuse in there before blending down to to again 40 percent. okay and the pink edition had a particular accolade didn't it with the the gin guide it did so um we entered all of our gins into the Gin Guide Awards 2020, and um, we were really, really delighted when our pink edition won the flavoured gin category. Um, it was something that, that we're massively, massively proud of. Um, you know, the, the, the fact that um, you know, the way the Gin Guide Awards are run is that, um, you know, uh, Everyone can enter, then it gets whittled down after the, the blind tastings to um, to a short list of finalists, and then only one or two of them finalists can win um, the, the accolade of being the winner of whichever category. So, yeah, we, we were really lucky that our pink edition was the winner of the flavoured gin category. Well, I wouldn't say you were lucky. <laughs> you, you, yeah. You, know, you produced a massively good quality gin that won the gin award so you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. One, so that's yeah, pretty impressive yeah 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 as i say it's something we are massively proud of that and and what would be your sort of best serve with with the pinkagin edition uh if, if you're drinking it as a gin and tonic uh we tend to find that it works much better with a a light tonic rather than a an indian tonic okay um, only because an indian tonic can make it taste that bit too it, it can push it down the road of being too sweet um okay so yeah so we we prefer to pair it with a, a light or a skinny tonic um it actually also works well um if you put a dash of it in a glass of fizz oh wow okay yeah. so um, oh, nice nice yes get, get yourself a glass of fizz and just put you know a 25 or, or even less mil measure of a of our pink gin in, in a glass of fizz and pop a strawberry on top really nice oh okay just a a different way of serving it yeah yeah any other cocktails that sort of work with the the yeah, pink edition funnily enough i actually really enjoy the pink edition in a negroni as well oh okay which is uh slightly different to 
what you'd normally put in a Negroni, but but um, but yeah, I've, I've tried it in one of them, and it, it just gives it a, a, a different take on a Negroni. You know, it's a bit, it, it it's not as sharp and as punchy as uh, a Negroni with sort of a classic London dry gin can be. You know, the the fruity flavours sort of smooth it smooth it out a little bit. Yeah, I think I think a Negroni is nice with sort of a again a more citrusy based gin. I know yeah, I've, I've had yeah, it with yeah. an orange based gin, and that's particularly you know I particularly like that. So uh, yeah, definitely. I think using citrus gins in it in a Negroni is is always good. But yeah, uh, just as a little twist on that, if you try it with the, our pink edition, it's it's quite interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And and finally, the the pink grapefruit and pink peppercorn edition. How would you describe that? Yeah, so this was. Um, actually first launched this time last year um we launched we launched a range of uh six gins six different flavored gins with uh six different designed labels on the bottles which were done again by a local artist in stockport and and depicted various different areas and buildings um and we always said um whilst it was a limited batch it was kind of a a tester for us as well and we always said whichever one proved to be the most popular we'd probably look to to do a, a full edition of it and and that was the pink grapefruit and pink peppercorn so yeah that, that the difference with that is that we distill it with fresh pink grapefruits and pink peppercorns um and then infuse some more pink grapefruit afterwards um and it, it's nice because you get this really fresh cit- citrusy taste from the pink grapefruit one on the nose and two when you first taste it but then the warmth from the peppercorn just comes through right at the end and leaves this oh, nice, nice. Little, nice little tingle on the end of the tongue and actually it stops the sweetness of the pink grapefruit um being too overpowering so it it, it stops it being sort of that what can be sort of a, a very sickly bitter taste if you put too much pink grapefruit in yeah and, and how would you serve that uh, with a Indian tonic and lots of ice and a wedge of pink grapefruit, or actually a slice of orange works well in it as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, we like. Uh, you probably guess we like to keep things simple here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to tell people to start going out and finding these weird and wonderful garnishes. You know, it, you don't have to forage for pine pine needles or anything. No, right? not at all. No, you just. <laughs> Get whatever's in the cupboard and chuck it in. And uh, any good co- sort of cocktails with that? Uh, we've not tried many cocktails with that, to be honest. Okay. We launched it at the back of um, of the the back of summer this year, and then sort of one thing's always led to another, and, we, and we've never had chance to sort of sit down and spend a bit of time and say what what can we actually do with this. So, it'd be interesting to hear if if any of your listeners have tried it in a cocktail, and if so, which one. Yeah, I mean, I, I must say, I, I'm definitely would not call myself a mixologist, but I'm def- <laughs> definitely a trainee mixologist, should we say? Yeah. But that one is is definitely um, has has really grabbed me because I just love the idea of the sort of sweetness and then the peppercorn at the end. I just think yeah, yeah, yeah. that could do. A l- have to have to get thinking about that one. <laughs> <laughs> and and sort of coming to sort of your your brand, I know you. Uh, have the sustainable edition as well 
Um, and that's sort of exclusively at Selfridges, or was it originally exclusively it was at Selfridges? Exclusively at Selfridges, yeah. yeah. And how how did that sort of come about? So when we first launched, we were kind of like, as as I said earlier, you know, didn't really know how the brand was going to be taken, how the gym was going to be taken. So it was very much let's go and knock on as as many doors as as possibly can and and see who opens them. Um, sure. One of the doors we kept knocking on was uh, Selfridges. Um, I thought, you know, as, as a new, as a new startup, um, if you can get sort of some weight behind you and, and some big stockists on board, um, you know, it kind of makes people sit up and think, oh, actually, they they are doing some good stuff over there. And um, obviously, in, in my day job at the time, I was down in London for a meeting, so we, we've been contacting and speaking to Selfridges on and off for a couple of weeks, and I just happened to say, listen, I'm in London tomorrow um if you're free I'll, I'll pop in with a bottle and the the buyer got back to us without me seeing the email and um, saying yeah coming at four o'clock tomorrow into the oxford street store okay um, and about 20 minutes later cheryl turned around and said right i've i've booked the train tickets and I'm like, what? <laughs> what are you on about where, where are you going she said, oh, i'm coming to london with you i'll meet you there i'm like what, what for she's like oh selfridges have just been in touch and the They've agreed to meet us tomorrow. So yeah, so we went down and, and we sat down with with one of the buyers there, and um, let him taste the gin, and he was he was really happy with it and decided to to stock our original edition. Okay. But also, we had we had this whole conversation of um, you know the, the size of still that we use and the size of batches, and, and he really liked that in that you know someone like them could could come to someone like us and. And work on maybe some exclusive products one day down the line. Um, okay. And and you know the cost to them for us to to just run off a, a small batch of gin is is much more manageable. Um, and it's kind of left at that. And then one day out of the blue, um, just over twelve months ago, they got back in touch saying, "Do you have that conversation we had about some exclusive stuff? Um, would you be interested in doing something?" So obviously we we jumped at the chance and sure. Um, we touched on earlier about you know sustainability, eco-friendly. Selfridges are absolutely massive on that. You know they've um, got this whole brand ethos about sustainability, and um, so we, we kind of touched on this this middle ground of well, let's build a gin based around this, and and uh, we toyed about some ideas, and and one of the one of the suggestions in the end was what about taking some waste products from uh, their bars, restaurants, cafes, and, and using that to make a gin. Um, yeah. So I, I ended up uh, in the store in Manchester, spent a full afternoon there talking to staff, waiters, waitresses, bar managers, chefs, trying to work out what, what waste products they had, what, what would work really well in a gin. Um, and in the end, we, we settled on, they've got this enormous orange juicing machine um that squeezes about six seven oranges into a glass um which someone can buy but then the orange peels are just discarded into a bin and chucked away at the end of the day and that was by far the biggest waste product that they had from any of their bars and restaurants so we decided that we'd we'd take some of them at the end of the day and rather than throwing them away to waste uh we'd make reuse of them and and make a nice orangey, citrusy gin with it. Um, 
And then on top of that, uh, we sourced a specialist label supplier for that gin. So we, we didn't use okay. our normal label supplier. We found a specialist one that could do a fully biodegradable label system. So that the labels oh, on that gin, including the adhesive, which is the important thing. So yeah. we, we spoke to a lot of label suppliers, including our own. And, and I mean, our, our own supplier was very honest. He said, yeah, that we can do biodegradable labels. The thing that we struggle with is the glue that sticks the label um, to the bottle. It's not biodegradable. Um, some label suppliers that tell you they do do biodegradable labels, but don't keep the bit about the glue behind. Whereas we managed to find this supplier um, that does the whole the whole system. So the, the label, the ink that's used on the label and the adhesive are all biodegradable. So wow. I've got um, a different uh, take on the label. It's obviously all put in recyclable glass bottles. And then um, we've done this whole carbon footprint study with Selfridges as well. Um, so if, you know, if we were to make a, a batch of our normal gin, We've taken an example from from one of our batches, and it may go to you know twenty different stockists and forty different uh, retail customers, um, and you know try to work out how many journeys that takes, and you know car journeys, bus journeys, delivery journeys, things like that. Sure. You, can, you compare that to our sustainable edition, where previously a full batch went to one place on one place only, a whole carbon footprint on that is it's hugely reduced um so that was that was quite interesting to work on um then post post first lockdown um they came back and obviously I, I, as with everyone now um spending powers are, are vastly reduced and sure you know money money's tight for everyone because it's been difficult times so um they needed to restock um but couldn't commit to buying another full batch um so we said well obviously always the agreement was always that we make a full batch and we just sell it all to you and and you kind of go away and sell it to your customers and all we do is make the gin and uh but they said oh but we only want 30 bottles and our argument was well i've then got stock on my shelf or in the bedroom upstairs I should say. <laughs> um, <laughs> stock there that you know, I, I can do nothing with. Um, I can't sell it to anyone else because it's it's your exclusive gin. Um, so we came to an agreement that uh, we can now retail that gin as well as sell okay. Um The only thing that they said was that we, we need to stick to their price point, which is higher than what we'd normally charge for a bottle. Right, okay. Um I mean that's that's the agreement we we had to do, and and it means that we can we can retail that that gin as well, and um and actually it's, it's massively popular when you you take it out to markets and, and things like that, and, and people get to taste it and and hear the story behind it. Um, so it's, it's it's actually worked well for us. And and talking about sort of markets, I know you've you've seemed to have managed to get out to quite a few markets because I know quite a few. Um distilleries have found it difficult you know with, with covid but how has covid sort of affected the the business obviously the the biggest impact is all the hospitality industry being shut so sure. pubs bars restaurants cafes you know all, all these we're lucky to have some really good uh local stockists um 
obviously with, with all them being shut, then the orders just completely disappeared overnight. Sure. And um, uh, so that that's affected us. But on the flip side, um, online sales of, or certainly in the first lockdown, online sales increased. Um, and, we, and we found different ways to adapt. So like you talked about this time, we're doing things like lockdown bundles. The first lockdown we did uh, virtual taster nights, which were, which were really, really popular. Um, so yeah, and then uh, the the probably one of the one of the biggest impacts is is events. So for a long time, markets were cancelled. Right. Um, okay. We haven't done a gin festival this year, which we love doing. Um, gin festivals are always always great. But, you, but you're doing you're doing the virtual ginmas, aren't you? With we are. So we're we're doing gin to my tonics. Uh, virtual gymnast festival which we're looking forward to um we're supposed to be at a, a couple of festivals and meet the makers shows with them this year that obviously for obvious reasons couldn't take place so so hopefully we're looking forward to getting back on the road with them next year um so yeah so that that's been the big impact and and kind of where do you think the the brand's going next you know are, are you planning to sort of try and get stocked in you know sort of other retailers it's always different it's always difficult should i say yeah. um you know we, we very much know now what the brand is and and what people love about us so we, we kind of want to want to stick to our roots and you know keep keep spreading the word ourselves and um and kind of pushing it that way whether you'd ever see it on supermarket shelves at I don't know. I don't. I don't know particularly if that's kind of the route that that we may want to go down. You never know if if they're interested, they might get in touch and and make a big bulk order. But it, it, we always say it, it has to be the right deal for us. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we wouldn't want to sell to a a big retailer and and for somehow that to impact negatively on the brand. And you know, you see it on the the end of an aisle being sold for 17 quid or something you know it'd, it'd crush us so it's a it's yeah. a difficult balance of when it comes to things like that um but yeah you know we have big plans for this year that that unfortunately couldn't take place but that just means that you know it's they're not they're not binned they're just put on pause and and hopefully next year we'll be we'll be able to see them through um and, and do you have any plans for any sort of new flavors at all uh we've we've talked about it definitely and and possibly next year we might we might do something we've just launched or relaunched our christmas gin in time for christmas which is a spiced orange and cranberry gin um oh nice so that's that's just on a limited run of 125 bottles okay. um and then yeah so so next year we'll we'll sit down early on in the year and and decide if if we're going to do something else what what will we do and we might actually decide that let's do something completely different and, and see how it goes. You know, we might not make a citrus gin. We might make a different style of gin or who knows. Yeah. Maybe an old Tom or something. Possibly. Yeah. There's actually not many people making old Toms. So um, maybe that's something, it's certainly something we've looked at and um, we've got a couple of ideas of what, what we'd do if we did something like that. Again, we'd do it slightly differently do our own little take on it but yeah um there's, there's a few ideas that have been floated about but i think first and foremost let's get through the christmas period and, and let's see what 
It sounds, it sounds as though I'm going to have to get you on next year because uh, sounds uh, yeah, yeah. Discuss your plans. Definitely, so, yeah. Uh, okay, well, I think that's a a great great place to end. Um, and uh, now obviously, I wish you all the luck with that. But before you go, uh, I've got a couple of questions that I always like to ask people uh, on the podcast. Yeah, go for um, it. What's your favourite gin other than your own, and what would you serve it with? So it's a difficult question to answer because, uh, as we said at the very start of this, um. We always love trying new things, different things, um, products that we haven't tried before. So so we've never really had a gin that sits on our shelf for uh, a long amount of time. And also one thing that we always go back and buy over and over again. Um, but the, the gin that we're actually really enjoying at the moment is um, Tarsier, and that's their co-san gin oh okay yeah it's um so that they're, they're they're fairly local to us tarzier they're, they're based um not far from us so i uh, was we lucky enough to go and see them a couple of weeks ago and i managed to get a bottle off them and it's a really really good gin and again not something that we probably normally go out and look for ourselves so it's a you know it's made with uh chilies lemongrass um oh wow but, but a really really nice gin and um, we were we were massively impressed with it um, um and we just took their their recommended serve for that so drank it with a, a tonic water and a, a wedge of lime oh okay and uh fi- finally what does gin mean to you a difficult question gin's almost become a a way of life if that, <laughs> if that makes sense you know, yeah, gin, definitely. Gin was always like a, a passion of ours before. You know, uh, we, we loved going out, finding local products, different products that that we've not tried before, and, and and now we live in a world where we actually make our own. So, so yeah, it's, it's become a, a massive part of our lives for obviously more reasons than than one. Well, thank you very much for for coming on the show. I'm glad I did pluck up the courage to. Uh, ask you on uh, and i'm glad you stuck with your guns and called it stockport gin yeah i think you know you have a a fantastic brand and i'm I'm so glad that that you came on to talk to us no but again thanks for having us it's it's always good to um to come on and and talk about what we do and why we do it and how we do it so so it's been good thanks very much I'd like to say a big thank you to Paul from Stockport Gin. I'm so glad, as I said, that I plucked up the courage to talk to them. They seem such like such a big brand, but they're sort of so down to earth. They're so humble with what they've achieved and they really have achieved an awful lot. I just love the fact that they're not scared to sort of put themselves out there. You know, we're Paul and Cheryl and this is our brand. And I think that is so amazing and so from my point of view so heartfelt as a consumer that that somebody's able to do that and i also love the fact that they stuck with stockport gin that's what they wanted to call it so i I have to say that i am so so in admiration of of you and your brand congratulations and and thank you again for being on the show my instagram shout out this week is at girls on gin now, you may remember back in episode two, and maybe you don't, because unfortunately the first few episodes weren't really listened to an awful lot because they were all released at the same time. So I decided that they weren't getting the full treatment of being my Instagram shout out. 
I also, obviously, when you are an Instagram shout out, I put you in my stories all week and they obviously didn't have any of that. And they're also not far off 5,000 followers. So I, I wanted to highlight to you, if you're not following Girls on Gin, please look at them. They are my favourite gin trio. Girls on Gin are Gita, Tina and Karina. And I've really been enjoying their videos that they've done, albeit I'm not sure I understand most of them because they're in Danish. Um, but for they've been doing them for Malfi Gin and Perno Ricard. Karina was definitely the star, I have to say, as she was in two of the four videos. I really loved your Four Men Meet the Sea, the sculptures that are in, now I apologise for pronouncing this incorrectly, Eschberg, with your the Foxy Man Gin and uh, Fever Tree with a peel of lime that you had it with. I really felt that, I don't know why, but it sort of all came together. I mean, Foxy Man and Four Men in Eschberg, shouldn't really come together but it, it kind of did but you know I guess I am biased because I do love the three of you I think you are amazing I love the photo and the post of the old Dr House gin I also like that the, one of the owners was from the UK and the two Christmas elves were lovely uh, next to that uh, gin and I love the fact that you had a competition as well. And it was open not only to the whole of the EU, but also the UK as well, which was really great. You do have the most amazing posts, quite often with a deer or that friendly red squirrel. And you obviously love the squirrel so much that when you did the post that you got to 4,000 followers, you actually include Mr. Squirrel as well, which I thought was really, really nice. You cover so many gins from so many places. You've also been covered by the press, in print and on television. You've also been on a podcast, which I'm dead jealous about because I wanted you to be the first ones on my podcast. But I am hoping that is going to come very, very soon. I'm honoured that you listen to the podcast and that you've given me so much support since I started. And you really have. I can't think of how many times where I've kind of looked at my messages and there you've been supporting me with something. So thank you very much. I really, really do mean that. Each one of you, Gita, Tina and Karina, you're amazing individuals. And together you are my favourite gin trio. I'll be adding you to my stories all week. And thank you again. I would love to hear from you. If you want to get in touch, please do so at Gin Ignite on Instagram or Twitter. Or if you want to get in touch via email, why not? Maybe you do. Gin.gossip at ginignite.com. If you've got any ideas for the podcast, you can always give them to me either as a DM uh, at Gin Ignite on Instagram and Twitter or podcast.ideas at ginignite.com. The thing that I like about the gin community that I've met so far is that nobody judges anyone for what they believe, what they look like or who they choose to be. The world would be a better place if everyone took that view. Grab your drink, toast those you love, enjoy your weekend, whether you decide to party or stay in. I'll be with you in spirit. Seriously though, enjoy your weekend and I look forward to joining you for another episode next Friday. Cheers! Cheers!